Welcome back to the Manufacturing Come Up. I'm your host, Malachi Greb, CEO of Elite Automation. Today, we have Zach Ruffing with Cross Automation. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. No problem. I like to have individuals who, who are in the sales uh, sales side of things because it's, it's one of the highest paying uh, positions in automation, really any career path, right? Like sales just always has a tendency to, to be the highest paid. Uh, kind of exposes you to some of the the most things. Uh, you get to visit all different types of manufacturing facilities, and um, also I, I like to learn about sales. Right, I'm still I'm still transitioning <laughs> from an engineer to a sales guy. <laughs> You're already a sales guy, man. Probably more so than me or most because of your uh, continual marketing efforts. You know, um, there is a distinction between sales and marketing as far as. Uh, field and uh, philosophy, I guess, but, but really they're kind of the same thing when you look at, you know, strategy and when you look at, um, you know, even, even the statement you make to get into a customer's plant. Yeah. You know, for instance, I'm like the sales guy, but I find a plant I want to go into. I pull up in the parking lot. I consult my zoom info. I call the the plant manager and, and then I say words to him. And those words are a marketing effort. So, you know, you know, it's, it's intertwined and it's kind of one and the same, but it's not. Yeah. I mean, definitely for me, like I, I definitely d can see like some major differences between them, but I do agree that they are the same. <laughs> um, for me, I just like default to like marketing, like whenever, whenever I'm like, <laughs> huh, what can we do more of? I'm like always like marketing and I have to force myself to do more of the sales stuff. Mm -hmm. I think it's just cause like a, a comfort level, right? You have to build like sales to me, like, you have to get a lot more uncomfortable. Like, whereas like marketing today, you can do a lot like behind a computer screen. You only have to get in front of a camera for a lot of the things yeah. uh, or, or even talk to anybody on the phone. Right. Right. Sales is fun because you get to exercise your creativity. Uh, you get to come up with all these new ideas and you get to do them because you're in control. You're in control, control of what you do when you do it. And, and with sales, um, I was just on the phone with one of our new sales guys yesterday and i and 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 he is actually a technical guy he's like a mechatronics engineer that is in a sales role and and i was explaining to him that you know the, the hardest things to do to deal with the 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 reason that sales pays the way it does is because um you have to be willing to deal with the silence uh the non-returned emails, the leaving voicemails and no callbacks. You have to deal with rejection constantly. You, uh, you know, it's almost to the point where I just tell myself that I enjoy hearing the word no. And, um, you know, that I enjoy uh, that repetitive. Um, I want to talk to this guy at this company. You know, didn't answer the phone, didn't answer the phone, didn't answer the email. Uh, but, you know, on that fourth or fifth attempt, uh, you know, the stars align the guy had a good day and you get a visit. Um, yeah. So there's that. But um, but but then also in sales, there are the things that like, you know, if you ask me, like, um, how do I line up so many meetings or why am I good at sales? You know, the, the main number one thing, I guess, that uh, other than like, um, you know, determination, which is a word that you can write down on a resume, so the things that you can't put on a resume are like, I can read people. I can make people comfortable in a meeting setting. You know, if I see their tense and I'm looking at their eyes, you know, and another thing is like, uh, I don't like to leave a meeting until the discussion goes deep enough to where the engineer looks back at me and you can see the eyes change. And there's like, you know, everybody kind of, sits back in their seat and goes, oh, okay, I trust this guy. So as soon as I sense that someone trusts me, you know, gives me some amount of belief, I'm willing to go ahead, leave the meeting, say, hey, look, let's get NDAs signed, uh, you know, but we let's get drawings exchanged or something like this, but we can take some of this in email form or whatever, and then we're on to scheduling the next meeting in a month or so when, uh, you know, all of the information that I need is ready. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's very, very important to, to be able to read a room like that and, uh, really reach that comfort level. I think 
there's part of me that like that comes naturally. Yep. Uh, and then there's also part of me that like things will get like I don't I don't want to say awkward, but then like you know it, it can be a little bit difficult to to kind of combat that or try to convert the conversation. I guess let's bring this one up. Whenever if you ever run into like a conversation where or a meeting where it's going kind of in, in another direction and you can just tell like they're kind of like either they're not filling the company they're not filling the capabilities what are some of the things that you do to try to to navigate around that uh usually i like to take a plant tour first i've been in a lot of plants i i've worked on the west coast and developed sales over there worked on the east coast and developed sales here i've been uh I've been in a lot of integration uh, companies and a lot of manufacturing companies, and I've seen a lot of things. So I like to take a plant tour because a lot of times what happens is, you know, in a, just me personally, I'm like coming from my mechanic background, I'm a nuts and bolts guy. So I like to go on the floor and see how they're doing things. And a lot of times the, the conference rooms are a stale environment for me. Um, you know, you, you can tell somebody about your company, but you can't really tell them what you can do for them and, and make it like personal, personal, relatable and stuff like that. So mm. once I get on the floor, it's kind of like I might have come to see an operation in the back of the plant and I'll say, hey, you know, would you mind just let me you know, show me around the floor, show me what you guys do first. Uh, as we're walking, you know, I, there's even been times where I've noticed like an operation where there will be people laying on carts, inserting hardware, like laying on laying on their stomachs, moving above a giant platform, like inserting rivets. And and, and I'll kind of stop the guy and, and, or girl and be like, are you guys seriously doing this? Like, the, you know, there's a hundred better ways to do this. Yeah. And, and, you know, it'll be like, uh, oh, what do, you know, what do you mean there's a better way to do that? Now explain it to them. And then, you know, you see the light turn on and, and, and then all of a sudden it's not the application that they thought we were going to talk about, but it's, it's my opportunity where I have now revealed to them how I can make them a lot of money and make them a lot of productivity and then save yep. their people's lower backs um, you know, with this, or, you know, neck with this crazy ergo issue, you know? So, mm -hmm. so yeah. getting, getting out of conference rooms is like my biggest thing. Um, I'll talk to, I'll talk to a CEO. I'll talk to, I don't care who, but it's usually gotta be on a manufacturing floor where there's actually something going on, you know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. There's like two things that I kind of see that, that, uh, you basically discussed there was, one was like equipping yourself, right? So going out on the manufacturing floor, even if you go back to a conference room, at least going out to the manufacturing floor, you're able to equip yourself with like, okay, this is what this environment looks like. This is like maybe the level of automation they currently have versus they don't exactly. have. And then the the second thing is you was able to essentially be a consultant, yeah. right? You was able to, you're, you're there for this application of this project, but you, you're, you're there pointing out other things that are not even really the reason you're there, and you're adding a, a, a source of value to, to that company in order to uh, really just help them out. And it, it really showcases the trust level and, and makes them feel like you're more of a partner. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. And, and uh, you know, I was explaining to a plant manager that I talked to yesterday that like went, what I tell people I do is run around looking for problems to solve. Like, you know, I kind of don't even care what the problem is. I really want to get into the plant and understand what's concerning them. Um, yeah. You know, this is going to lead to the development of a relationship with the, with these people. It's going to get me in the door and, and I am genuinely concerned with solving their problem. Um, even if it doesn't, impact my, uh, paycheck abilities or anything. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, but I've seen a lot and I've networked a lot. So then, you know, when I help them solve that problem that does not involve me, it, it raises the trust level. It's like, you know, look, I'm, 
I'm not getting paid for this, but I don't care. I want you to be more profitable. And when you're more profitable, you're going to pay me for, you know, some other stuff that we can do. Uh, but at the, at the end of the day, um, I think that a salesperson, a real good one is going to have a heart that is um, focused on solving problems and focus on making good relationships because um, in our industry, sales do not take a day or a week or a month. Um, you know, our sales cycle is, you know, six months to two years. And, and that's on yeah. something that's actually a project. But, you know, you really have to be in it for the five-year, 10-year uh, relationship. Yeah, absolutely. It all comes from from that relationship. And also, I think that uh, one, no matter what your career is, it always seems like a lot of the things boil down to like some some simple, uh, like thought processes, right? It's just like, you know, do the right thing. It's like, you know, add value to the customer. And it's like, if you're always walking around with that type of mentality, it seems that like, your, your dialogue, your, your, your posture, everything changes in the way that you like deliver and communicate with the customer. Yeah. It brings an ease really. Um, you know, you know, like if, if, I, if I go in or you go in with like a script and you're like, man, I got to close some business. I got to get some business. You know, you're going to sit down and you're going to be reciting things and you're going to be like pulling out like brochures and like, PowerPoints and all kinds of stuff. And, and the people sitting there are going, okay, cool. I, that, that doesn't apply. That doesn't apply. And it's nice to know who you are, but none of this applies to me, yeah. you know? And so it's kind of like, yeah, it's kind of like, you know, save your PowerPoint for another day. Um, mm -hmm. You know, in fact, a really good time to pull out a PowerPoint is, after a quote's been delivered for a project, because, mm -hmm. you know, you're, you're quoting something. Um, the customer is now understanding because you've, they're understanding where you're at in the market space because you've talked about it. You've had preliminary meetings. They've participated in getting you information. They know a price point. And so now mm -hmm. with all of this interaction, now you can bring a PowerPoint and say, hey, look, we've got 60 engineers. We're got multiple, we got multiple locations. Our reach is, you know, from, you know, this state to that state or whatever. Yeah. And then, and then that kind of brings comfort to, uh, to mm -hmm. a partnership in addition to trust, which has to yeah. be its foundation. Yeah. And also another thing too, is like with that RFQ process, especially for, for, uh, companies like automation companies or, or any company that's doing like any type of like customized work or like specific machine type of work, you, you know, you, you give them the RFQ and now it also gives you the ability to take whatever concept that you have, build that out into a PowerPoint and show, show like the, the engineering data, the conceptual data of, of that particular application, yeah. which then in my mind, that's what I've noticed shows a lot of, uh, mm -hmm of strength and, and, and comfort level on the back end, mm -hmm. right? Did did this company think about how they're going to hold this part? Did they think about how they're going to nest that? Did they think about how they're going to, you know, deal with this issue, mm -hmm. right? And whenever you have your technical document that calls out all these things, like, oh, they answered like everything. That was one of my concerns. Then they, they pretty much have a green light that goes on in their head. Yeah, yeah. And then, of course, all of the, uh, all of the, um, participation in further discovery, you know, all those things that weren't thought of at the beginning come to light, you know, all those, uh, you know, maybe part flow or, uh, you know, area for work in process or whatever, you know, um, all, all those little details that in the end make or break you. So I, it sounds kind of like you're the same as me. You're not really much of a PowerPoint guy. You'd rather, rather not do them if you don't have to, or, or, or save them for a later date. Um, and, and this is also a question for the community, like any advice that you have on like, on like PowerPointing and like, you know, what, what's a good way of PowerPointing? What are the proper things to, uh, you know, show, show the customer? What does the customer really care about 
I'm interested to know about all those things. Hmm. So if you could add any points to that as well, Zach. Any presentation is is going to be beneficial with pictures and a few words, you know, you, but you've got to be there. Um, your website has to speak for your company and then you have to speak for your company. Um, the, one of the most powerful uh, tools, however, in addition to a PowerPoint or that moment where you introduce the PowerPoint is, is bringing with you, if possible, uh, the engineering manager or the engineer that's going to be designing this or that the controls guy that's going to be, uh, you know, you know, uh, designing the cabinet and, and, and designing the controls architecture. When, when a team shows up and in a community of people who are going to actually be executing this task, you know, that, mixed with, by the way, here's our shop, by the way, here's uh, some of our past projects, you know, yeah. there's, there are, there is power in uh, the wisdom of many, right? <laughs> so, so yeah. all of these people show 100%. up with their different disciplines and can answer questions in a community fashion, partnering with the, the customer. Yeah. And it's absolute magical. I mean, um, I, I, uh, I sometimes go intentionally to the customer in the Southeast who is out in the boondocks because no one else shows up. So when they do have a project, they'll get three quotes and I'll be the only guy that shows up because I felt like driving three and a half hours out into the middle of nowhere in order to make yeah. this meeting. Well, right. uh, then there's a, a quote and then I say, Hey, let me bring my team. And we show up and, and, the, and, and the customer is like, I mean, you know, you look at them and they're like, okay, when we do this, when we issue the purchase order, that, and it's kind of like, yeah, we win. I mean, that's like pre-winning, right. you know? Um, yeah. But I think, uh, I think the PowerPoint, you know, as far as all the way back to like PowerPoints, man, it's like, here's, here's like 28 pages. It's like, I mean, to me, it's kind of like, yeah. you know, get to the point and include yep. a message of how you are going to affect their business. And that's probably yeah. the key. Yeah, absolutely. Two things that came to my mind is, is one, not PowerPoint related, but <laughs> the bringing, but in teams, mm -hmm. it's extremely powerful. Like I've noticed like some of our best sales meetings has been like, like me with another person. Right. And sometimes it doesn't even really matter. It could be somebody who's a junior and somebody who doesn't have a lot of experience. If they just been involved with like some of the conversations and how some of the sales meetings go and things like that, like even somebody that has less experience can even chime in. Cause like when you're speaking, I noticed a lot of times that you're speaking, you're not thinking, right? Mm -hmm. So if you're speaking and not thinking, you can't really externally, view like how is the customer seeing or, or, or perceiving the things that I'm saying yeah. and also your mind isn't thinking about have I have I forgot to mention this or or should I mention that mm -hmm. whereas like when you have somebody on the sidelines sitting there and like oh and also we do this thing yeah. they can chime in and add things that you didn't uh didn't already say or if it's a customer that doesn't isn't doing much talking and they're doing a lot of listening it kind of gives a second for you to take a breath and take a break and like let somebody else chime in and, and add their two cents. And then you can boom, go back in on your next. Thing. Yeah. 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 And, and uh, you know, the, you know, that being able to read people thing is, is just, again, it comes to the forefront of my mind because in these conversations where, you know, if, if you are sitting down and, and the person begins to become detached from you and you're, you know, you know, one of my one of my own personal things that I have to watch is I might get excited about what I'm talking about because I really love imaginative and creative solutions is I'll start talking mm -hmm. fast. Um, I'm from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Um, so, you know, northerners talk a little fast, um, but being in the Southeast, people talk slower, people operate slower. Uh, 
time moves a little bit slower. And so I have to be sure to like sit back and enunciate and take my time when I talk. And, mm. and, and a, a lot of this stuff comes with practice. You know, you, you go to all these meetings and you might suck at your first couple. Um, you're going to suck at your first couple. In fact, if you start out thinking you're an expert in anything, you're wrong, right? So, <laughs> yeah. so you know, after those first couple meetings, you, you, you watch the people and you watch their body language and you watch their eyes. And, and in this one meeting, in this one meeting in particular, I was selling product or equipment um, screwdrivers in particular. And I was meeting with a real high level integrator, really big name. And I was sitting in this conference room and, you know, this guy was an, and he was older than me by say 20 years, maybe 30. And I could just tell that he was just blowing me off, just could give a crap about what I was saying. And, and I was, and, you know, I'm like really trying, I really care. Uh, I give a crap, you know, and, and this, this guy kept looking like he was blowing me off. And I was like, and, and of course, n no one, not even me, really likes to talk to a sales guy. I mean, you know, if I walk into a car, if I walk right. into a car lot, I will like duck and hide uh, until I'm ready. Um, but anyways, this guy, um, you know, I was like, what, what is going to get his attention? So I brought up where I came from. I was like, hey, look, I used to turn wrenches. I was a technician on, you know, cars. And and all of a sudden, the guy, like, turns his head and looks at me. And he's like, oh, really? And all of a sudden, he became interested. Started talking to me about cars. And then the very next thing you know, he's uh, fully engaged in the conversation. Um, and then weeks later, uh, we turn it into a purchase order. And, and it was kind of like... Jeez, you know, uh, you know, you always look around the room and you go, man, this, these people, if the occasion comes up where people are a little difficult to read, you know, if you can recognize this and figure out uh, if you can ask a question or, or say something uh, in, interesting, um, you know, you might just win their trust and, and win relationships and, and yep. you know build, build, uh, build business. Yeah. I think that a, a couple things, like one, you can like just or organically be relatable. And then as far as like making it a, like a, a practical skill, if at all possible, if you know, who's going to be in the room, then maybe you can try to do like some quick research. Oh, yeah. Like, you know, here's the three, here's the three people that are on the Google meet invite. Mm -hmm. Like, let's go see who they are. Go check out their LinkedIn. <laughs> go see where they've worked at, you know? And then, so on like a strategic standpoint, like you can identify like, oh, this person did that. Mm -hmm. and, and I definitely wouldn't like go outside of like, you know, trying to make up stories and things, right. but like, oh, this person, this person, you know, was an automotive mechanic for some period of time. Right. Okay. I was also an automotive mechanic for some point in time. <laughs> Perfect. Or this person, their hobby is to work on cars, like, or they love to race or whatever. Mm -hmm. Like, so like, if you can like, you know, somehow bring up that topic during, during your discussion, that may create that, that, that relationship there and yeah. kind of fortify things on a personal level. Yeah. No one is gonna, no one is gonna give, um, give trust to someone who doesn't walk the walk and talk the talk. Like if, if, if you're walking into, if you're walking into, um, you know, automotive and, and you don't know that, you know, if you shut down a tier supply or a, uh, an OEMs line for, an hour, it's going to cost a lot of money. It's going to be, you know, huge yeah. fines and stuff like that. Uh, if, if you walk into, you know, medical and you don't understand clean room environments and classifications thereof, you know, they're, you know, when they bring this language up in conversation and they're like, yeah, by the way, it's a, you know, it's a class 10,000 or whatever, you know, clean room. And, and, and if you have a blank expression on your face because you don't understand their language, there's a language barrier, you know, all of a sudden you're speaking English, yeah. but you're really not because you're not yeah. walking their walk and talking their talk. So it is, you know, huge. That's a, that's yeah. a big thing. 
I always like to yeah, understand, you know, where the people or where the company are coming from. Absolutely. And because like, say for instance, especially for like somebody who's an equipment builder, like you're talking about something like a clean room, mm -hmm. the, a lot of times your, your equipment has to be designed to be like clean, clean room certified. Yeah. And, or if it's like medical, like there's medical device certified and uh, that's like a whole nother process. And, and if like, you're not uh, experienced or at least be able to show the experience of working with that type of equipment, then they're going to be like, okay, these are not the people for us. Right. hundred percent. Yeah. A lot of people want, uh, proof in the pudding, you know, in order to, uh, yeah. in order to have some level of confidence. So have you done this before? You know, it comes up all the time and, and it's, and, um, and, uh, you know, that might be a, that might be a, a thing to think about too, before a meeting is kind of, you know, that's almost like your ammo that you're going in with. You're going in with a little bit of research into who you're talking to, a little bit of research into what they do and not the whole thing, you know, just, just spend five minutes or 10 minutes um, just coming to an understanding, you know, Google the definitions of some words if you have to, that's what I do. Um, and there's always YouTube. If you need to, you know, figure out how to automate something. Um, I was looking up uh, just yesterday or two days ago, how to handle shredded cheese and, mm. and uh, you know, unpackaged shredded cheese. And yeah. because the, one of the applications I'm working on, you've got to, you've got to pick up uh, or measure out some sh shredded cheese and some loose cut up chicken. And so, you know, it's like, Oh man, how, how would we do this? Well, you can beat your head off a desk for an hour or two, or you can open up YouTube and type in, you know, automated shredded cheese and see what comes up. And sure enough, there's a, you know, ton of different ideas out there. So, you know, use the tools that you don't have to buy. You go online and if, you know, everybody likes surfing YouTube so much these days, for, you know, go learn something. Yeah. There's a ton, tons of resources to educate yourself now. And like, I think preparing yourself because there's a lot of applications like say for instance like maybe if i've not been in that particular industry or especially like the company right like when you look at a company a lot of times their name like is not very like insightful to what they do as a company right so and then there sometimes their website's not even that great either sure. so like you 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 go there and you, you you go to their website you try to explore there and, and there's some keywords of some things but like really a lot of it's like let's say blah 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 sales words right they're like we help improve blah, 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 and do all these things. It was like, okay, cool. But like, what do you actually like do? What's your product there? Yeah. And it's so like, maybe you can find like some hints of like, we do this type of process or we do, you know, and then from there you can take that and go to like YouTube and mm -hmm. Google and, and, and search the different things. So yeah, absolutely. It helps out a lot. It helps a lot. Like having an understanding of like what this company does and, and, and just having that insight and being able to see like some of the equipment they work with because like, when you do like automation type of work for a, a long time, like it's a lot of things kind of end up being somewhat the same, right? I mean, there's definitely sectors, but right. you know, you have servos, you have robots, you have, you know, you know, way stations. There's all, you know, all these things that kind of end up being, you know, I'm going to say the same, but they're very similar yeah. a lot of times. Yeah. For the most part. Yeah. Yeah. It wouldn't, you know, if I said, you know, uh, FANUC robot guarding, uh, Siemens PLC, you know, Shunk Gripper. It's like those things go in almost every project. I mean, or, you know, um, yeah. so yeah, you're, you're totally right. So I want to shift the conversation a little bit. Cool. Where, what got you to navigate over here to the manufacturing industry? Oh man. So I, I had uh, started my own little Porsche shop in North Carolina and it was turning street cars into race cars and, and I loved it. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I didn't know what I was doing really with running a business. Um, uh, have, I was, I was, my wife was having our first child and I was, I was just scared. Um, I didn't know, you know, um, what was going to come with having a kid. I didn't know what it was going to take to grow a business. So, um, I found a place that was willing to do some tuition reimbursement. I took a, uh, an online business degree program to uh, further educate myself. And um, 
I got really sick of coming home every night and my wife saying, oh my gosh, rebuilding transmissions again, please throw your clothes away. Those, those you know, you smell disgusting, you know? So, <laughs> you know, and I, and, and the, you know, if you're, if you, if you work with your hands, you know, that, you know, the, the grime doesn't come off. There's a point where it's just yeah. in your skin. Stain. Yeah. yeah <laughs> it's in there. And, and I was really sick of that. And because I was like, you know, I want to show this kid, um, a better path. You know, I, I as a kid, I, I really wasn't highly educated. Don't come out from a highly educated family at all. Um, uh, but I did some work with bankers, um, managers of like hedge funds, because these guys were like Porsche people with a lot of money. Um, yeah, right. Yeah. And, and 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 after, you know, hanging out with them night after night at the racetrack and listening to their conversations, I was like, I'm, you know, I'm doing something wrong, you know? So anyways, uh, I, I figured that I knew how to turn a bolt to torque and I knew what torque to yield was. And I knew about different, um, mechanical processes and, and I always, uh, you know, was interested in how they manufactured the car. So I went to a company that was kind of local to me and, uh, and said, Hey, um, I'd like to sell this stuff and, uh, sell this equipment. Then this was the screwdriving company that I worked for. And the CEO said, um, no way. Absolutely not. There are salespeople have eight to 10 years industry experience and you don't. And, and I was like, okay. You know, I uh, went back to him again because I really wanted to do it. He said no again, gladly. Um, <laughs> so finally I said, look, what is it going to take to make a transition in the industry? You know, you look on the job boards and it's like, you got to have 20 years experience. You have to have 20 years experience. You have to have five years experience. You have to. And it's like, if every job requires experience, you will not be hiring anyone because there are people with no experience, but a, but a, you know, good brain. Drive. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, finally I went back to this guy and I said, look, just, just let me work for you. Just put, I don't, I'll do anything. I just need to work here. He said, fine, you can build cars. Uh, go ahead and build uh, equipment in the shop. So I was in the build and test area. So we, I would assemble the equipment. Um, part of my philosophy was like, I'm not staying here in the shop. You know, so yeah. I came to work every day with a white button down shirt on and khaki pants when everybody else was wearing like the black shirt. And I was like, yeah. fact is, people like I'm showing up here and I'm not staying here. This is not where I want to yeah. be. So um, yeah. I, I took some uh, I took some uh, <laughs> chastising from some of the people that I worked with that, that, I, you know, some, some, some poking and prodding um, yeah. because I was showing up in the white shirt, but I rolled up the sleeves on the shirt and, and didn't let it go. So one year later I was promoted into project management. Um, I was on track to be the manager of the project managers a, uh, after a year of that, um, because part of our role and responsibility was understanding how our equipment could facilitate an application and guiding the salespeople to quote the proper equipment. So all of the sales guys wanted to work with me because I really knew the equipment and I had become over, you know, two, two and a half years, like a subject matter expert. I mean, I hate to say it, but I mean, it's kind of true. I really do right. fasten stuff together. Um, so, you know, after all the people wanted to work with me, I was, I was, um, I, I kind of had that in my back pocket. A sales role came open for the West Coast. And I, and I said to my boss, um, hey, you know, sales role on the West Coast, you got anyone on the hook? Uh, any, any prospects? Or he was like, no, no, no one. There's one guy that I want. And, you know, he wants too much money and whatever. And I was like, oh, um, I was like, why don't, why don't you do it? And he's like, man, I don't have the energy. I would kill to do it. I love being on the road. And I was like, and I thought to myself, 
man, if, if he would do it, if, you know, and he knows the role, um, that must mean it's decent. So mm-hmm. I said, Hey, um, if you would let me, let, uh, you know, if you would allow me to be considered for the role, I would really like to do it. And, um, and he kind of gave it some thought and he's, he's seen me, you know, perform over the past two years or whatever. And he said, uh, okay, write me a plan of how you would do it. And, um, and I said, okay. And I went away and I came back with a three page paper on, you know, here's the reps that I would hire and here's where I would look for representatives and here's where I would look for business. Here's how I might travel and blah, blah, blah. And, uh, and he said, okay, great. Um, you know, we'll ship you out there and get to it. <laughs> he said, all right, see ya. Yeah. And, and he's, he saw how I was focused. He saw my style of mm-hmm. learning. And so um, mm-hmm. I was the first sales guy that they put on the road that didn't ever train with anyone. He wanted to see how I would create the role mm-hmm. with my own uh, creativity yeah. and understanding. So I thought that was really cool. I mean, there were some times, no doubt, when I struggled for maybe a, a, a short while. Um, maybe I would have benefited from pieces of that information. But I was really glad that I got thrown out there to the wolves because I learned fast. I learned hard. Um, I was I was uh, in in that company. I was I was helpful because I knew the equipment inside and out. So. I could not only be the sales guy, but I could pull my tools out of the trunk of the car and walk in and fix the equipment on the spot to it. You know that, I mean, that just, mm-hmm. that wins hearts and, and, uh, and lives, yeah. you know, when you can do that. So, yeah. So that's where I come from. And that was kind of my, uh, that was kind of my uh, transition, which, which is, that's the hardest part. I think people should be far more open to, less experienced people um, with a really good brain and really good head on their shoulders. And, and, and I personally, if I could like, if I could give out any, what I call wisdom to like uh, HR people, it would be, do not look for some sort of structured resume. Don't look for Mm -hmm. some keywords like, you know, who, you know, it, it, you sh- people should be allowed to present themselves to a job opportunity with any shape or form of creative material that represents them. That's my thought. Like, yeah, fill out the job yeah. application. Give us the thing. Don't send a picture because we don't want to know what you look like, but we're still going to go on LinkedIn and figure out what you look like anyways. You know, like these rules right. of engagement <laughs> are so stupid. Um, especially when they yeah. want diversity and they want creativity. You've, you've got to have these aspects um, in employees for, for growth. And, yeah. and they're literally just, I, I think that's one of the things yeah. that are hurting the industry now. Yeah, absolutely. I think a couple of things is like one, like if, if somebody's either good or not good at writing a resume dictates that. And then another thing is like you said, like the, the experience threshold, having that five, 10 years, 20 years of experience, like them, like making that a a dead set requirement, like even like, that's one thing I would suggest, like any job that like has that type of requirement apply, even if you don't have that experience level and just like clearly put on there, I don't have that experience level, but you know, um, because like also like one thing that I'll see is like, that'll be like a mandatory requirement. But also, too, if it passes through HR, they see it. It might, it may not actually be a mandatory thing. It may be kind of a screening thing that says, like, "Hey, we don't want non-experienced people to apply. We don't want people who are like not striving to to accomplish more. You know, right. those who are willing to take the risk, right, and try to make the bet." Yeah, because um, you know, if you are that HR person and you're looking for somebody with like you know, 15, 20 years of experience. And, and I'm throwing out high numbers. I mean, nobody's really looking for that high of a level of experience. But, yeah. but but there were times when people would be like, look, dude, I've been here for 30 years and this is the way we do it. And it's like, hey, great. You've been here for 30 years. Um, but like the internet didn't exist back then. So, you know, industry 4.0 most certainly didn't exist back then. So 
I don't care how much experience you have if we're supposed to be a technologically relevant company. You know, if, if, if you don't clearly understand information and technology within the last decade, within the last five years, you're out of date. So who cares what you know from 30 years ago? And I mean, I say that loosely, that is not uh, intended. Yeah, yeah. yeah, with respect, right? <laughs> you know, total respect. Somebody can be at a job for 30 years. I get you. You're awesome yeah. and stuff like that. But mm-hmm. but you, mm-hmm. your ability to quickly learn and adapt to new changing technology is key in this day mm-hmm. and age. And no one has the experience because Industry yeah. 4.0, it doesn't go back that far, you know? Yeah. I mean, yeah, absolutely. And like when it comes to like, especially like hard skill experience, like there's a, there's a lot of experience that you can gain just from like just having years in your career. But like, yeah. there's some technological things that like, if they just didn't exist back then, like one thing that I made that I feel like was a, a pretty smart career choice is whenever I originally, so I started off as like a controls engineer. And so I had the option to learn what's called Carol programming on Fanuc robots. And it's basically like a structured text version of programming. And I was like, this is some really old antiquated stuff. I like, I don't know if I want to spend any of my energy and time, like learning this Carol programming, even though it's going to be a sought after thing, it's going to be, it's going to be, I don't want to say a high demand, but you're not gonna be able to find people that have that experience. I was like, the industry's not going in that direction. I'm, I'm, I'm going to learn something that's a dying skill set and a dying trade. So I basically said, Hey, if it's like, if it's a Carol project, like I'm just, just don't even put me in it. Like just put me with whatever the newer stuff is. Right. Mm-hmm. And like, so on the, on the flip side of that, like I did a lot of, I did a lot of, um, you know, studying and investigation on like, what are the new technologies in the industry and like, okay, what devices can you get in either the IP? Like this is early, this is 10 years ago. So it's like, uh, at that point in time, there wasn't as many even the IP devices. And there wasn't this industry 4.0 that we're talking about today. Like, you know, devices are starting to get much more connected. So at that point in time, you had to do more research on like what devices are over Ethernet IP and what devices can you do like safety over Ethernet, which, you know, safety protocols through, through Ethernet and like, you know, trying to learn things that were new and cutting edge. And uh, one other thing that, that kind of goes, goes along with is, and it's, one of the things that you pointed out that I think was probably the most valuable thing that you brought up in this, this <laughs> podcast here. And it basically, you put your shirt on, right? You put your white shirt on, you rolled up your sleeves and you went in mm. every day, you know, with that work attire, no matter if you're getting ridiculed or not, but you were setting a precedence for, 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 for what was in your mind and what you desired. And, uh, it, it doesn't matter what the shirt was you was wearing, yeah. right? It was the mindset that you had behind That's it. That's right. And that that exact thing is like why I'm I'm in the position that I'm at now, why, why I went ahead and started a company. And it was that same thing. I had that mentality. I was going in, rolling up my sleeves. I was taking on opportunities that weren't even opportunities that were even being thrown my way. I was just like, hey, I'll take it. We're, we're struggling in this, in this area. I'll do it. And they're like, are you sure? I'm like, yeah, whatever. I'll do it, whatever. <laughs> Um, and so, you know, so then the, the, basically the difference in my, in my career was I got to a point where, okay, I have constantly had this type of mentality, but I'm not seeing the company go in the direction that I needed Mm. to go. Mm. Right. Because like the, your, your ceiling is going to be, if you're at a company and you're, you're planning to stay with that company, your ceiling is that company, right. Or the let's say the highest level position in that company right. or, you know, whatever the position number two or three or four or five is in that company uh, is, is like the highest you're going to get. And if that company is not going to reach, if the company is not going to reach a certain level of, uh, of, of like growth or, you know, whatever impact you're really looking for out of your career, mm-hmm. then, then you have to start thinking about like, maybe this isn't the place for me and maybe I should go somewhere else. And, and at that point in time, I, you know, I was thinking like, I had crossed my mind. Maybe I should go somewhere else, but I really was like, because I put in so much work, one of the big valuable parts for me was like, I put in so much work and I was like, always like rolling up my sleeves, wearing my white shirt to work every day. Mm -hmm. I noticed that I was limited by somebody else's growth i was limited by what somebody else what position they said that they would put me in or they would allow me to do and then i was like okay well i could go start i could go 
work with another company that's already a bigger company, climb that corporate ladder. But I was like, but then things are still in their hands. Yeah. And, and one of the things that, that kind of played an advantage for me is I, I've, I've never really been like a, like a good, like kiss ass type of person. <laughs> right. So it's like, <laughs> I've never been good at that. Yeah. Or like, I've never been good at like, you know, going and talking with the CEO every day or, or doing those type of things. I'm just like, I'm going to go and I'm going to do my work, boom, boom, mm -hmm. you know, and, and because of that nature, it also would make it harder for me to climb the corporate ladder. Even though I'm working hard, I'm rolling up my sleeves. I'm, I'm still not doing the proper like internal networking and things <laughs> like that, that I should do to like <laughs> climb a corporate ladder. Um, so that's like really what kind of navigated me is that same mentality that you had and, and, and you know, some other adversities that I dealt with and, you know, kick this whole thing off. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, um, it's interesting. It's like, uh, you know, you start off in, in a career and you're looking for value in like a paycheck and a dollar sign, you know, and, mm. and when you're young and stupid or inexperienced, um, you don't realize that, you know, the investment in yourself pays off greater in the longer term than a value on a paycheck. You certainly have to make money and you certainly have to yep. get paid for the value that you create. Mm -hmm. Totally understood. But um, the things that you just, just in the same manner that the things that you put on a resume aren't necessarily the most important things about you, the value that you or the, the the investment that you make in yourself, it will pay off mm -hmm. greater long term. And and one of the things that you talked about is like, yeah, it doesn't matter what color shirt you're wearing to work. And it's true, it truly does not at all. Um, what matters there are like the laws of attraction. Um, you know, and and what matters there is what you believe about yourself. And you know, if, uh, if you begin studying like, uh, psychology or high performers, you know, um, I recently, uh, I recently just, uh, bought my first high performance planner and this thing, like it takes a guy like me, who's like, um, 30,000 foot view person. And it makes me come back to planning out each day and planning out each time slot. And, you know, if it was left up to me in, as it was in my past, I'm looking for like what I'm going to do this year. And when somebody asked yep. me like, you know, what, what I'm going to accomplish today, I would say, I don't know. I'm just going to wake up every day and kick as much tail as I can possibly <laughs> kick. That's all, all I know yep. to do is be the best I can be all the time. And like whatever happens at the end of the year, great. But, um, but I realize now like, Hey, if I'm, if I write a statement, if I make a plan for what I'm going to do this year and make a plan to accomplish it, I'm mm -hmm. way more likely to accomplish that plan. And, um, yep. and, and, and now instead of, instead of being okay with what I don't know or don't understand, I'm going out and seeking information about what I don't understand. When I, when I think, wow, I could do this better. Or what does this person do that I'm not doing? I find out about that and make a plan to learn it uh, now. So then the evolution of myself comes quicker and there's more um, investment potential when you do that sort of thing. So, you know, I would tell, you know, people with without experience that it is understanding yourself making investments in yourself, understanding uh, the inner workings of, if you want to get into sales, go figure out what it's like to be a salesperson. Even if you have to pay to take that person to lunch or whatever, watch this podcast or video, um, you know, whatever it takes. You know, a couple of years ago during the COVID time, my family and I were looking for a house in this particular school district because my wife had to have the kids in this particular school district. And in this part, in this part of the town that we wanted to go to, nobody sells their house. They all live there for 50 years and pass it on to their kid. Yeah. So it was kind of like, well, there's a piece of property available. So it was kind of like, well, I used to put roofs on houses. I used to be a roofer um, back when I was a kid. So I was like, 
maybe we build a house. I didn't, you know, so, you know, we just <laughs> went through it step by step. I started watching YouTube and everything. So we dug the foundation with our tractor. We poured the cement with a few buddies. I, I framed the whole house, but the, you know, we, we wired it for electric. Um, you know, we built, we built, wow. we built the house and it was because of YouTube. It's not what I'm trained in doing, but, um, right. but, it, but it's, uh, all of these types of experiences that add up, um, and, and just, you know, put yourself out there, put yourself in the position to make a sale. If you're a, a maintenance technician and you're going out for your company onto your customer sites, um, figure out how you can structure a maintenance contract and sell them a maintenance contract. Then uh, you're a salesperson and your company, you have now sold something for your company. And before you know it, that can turn into a, hey, this guy's the director of sales. He used to be the fixer guy and now he's yeah. the director guy. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's, uh, you know, there's just so much opportunity in this world. It's unbelievable. And people need to mm -hmm. uh, get educated on how they can take advantage of it. Absolutely. Do you have any last valuable tips you'd like to oh. add to the community? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Uh, last valuable tips. Um, um, uh, man, the what's this guy's name? I forget his name, but he always says, take some time. He yeah. always says, uh, you're stronger than you think you are. And the future holds good things for you. And, um, oh, it's, uh, Brendan Bouchard. He's a high performance coach and he's got, uh, he's got all kinds of great material everywhere, but every time he leaves you, he says, you're stronger than you think the future holds good things for you. And, and if you say that to yourself, if you believe it, if you write it down, um, you can turn yourself into a positive person who attracts a lot of opportunity. And, and I would say that in any industry that you serve in, whether it's uh, manufacturing or not, you know, if, if we can all participate in making uh, ourselves better, we will make the world better uh, communally. So there you have it. That's all the wisdom that I'm capable of right there. <laughs> and I borrowed it from somebody else. I think there's some good valuable tips. I mean, I, I personally love the, the, the white shirt, uh, you know, analogy <laughs> and, and process that you went through. I mean, that was, that was like one of the major keys to my success. And so like anybody who's willing to like follow that and go into work every day, you literally just changed your life. So uh, I think that alone was, was valuable enough. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. That's where, great. Where can people find you at? Uh, people can find me in uh, Charlotte, North Carolina. They can find me at uh, cross automation selling what, you know, we sell uh, automation systems, custom equipment, um, solving problems. I'm looking for, I'm looking for problems to solve. I want to bring creative solutions. And if I don't offer it, I want to find people to do. So, I mean, it's, it's just like, just like you. So let's, let's do it. Thank you, Zach. Appreciate it having you today. Man, I appreciate you guys. Thanks for finding me and asking me to be here. I, I really do appreciate it. No problem. Thank you.